it's history making for NASA and, and I'll say for the world. Webb is going to produce science that we, we can only think about and rewrite the books. In order to get the types of science we're, we're after, we have to be bold. We're flying at least 10 new technologies that have never been flown before. Welcome to Small Steps, Giant Leaps, a NASA Apple Knowledge Services podcast where we tap into project experiences to share best practices, lessons learned, and novel ideas. I'm Dina Nunley. The James Webb Space Telescope is NASA's largest and most powerful space science telescope ever constructed, and it's scheduled to launch December 18th. Our conversation today is with James Webb Space Telescope Program Director, Greg Robinson. Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Dina, uh, certainly thanks for having me. Uh, I look forward to this, uh, getting more words out about James Webb. What excites you the most about the James Webb Space Telescope? So a, a lot of things. Uh, first, uh, just the, the scope of the mission. It's a follow on to Hubble, often referred to it as, as Science's Apollo. Um, so it's a, a very big mission. It's the largest space science mission NASA has ever done, and certainly the largest space science telescope that NASA has ever done. Uh, so that, that gives me goosebumps. Uh, there are a lot of new technologies on here, uh, but mostly it's, it's going to unlock some secrets and mysteries of our universe that we could only imagine. So uh, we often say it's going to rewrite the, the physics books and other books. Uh, so I'm pretty excited. I've uh, been a, a really good team working with this team, this international team of uh, the European Space Agency and Canadian Space Agency and NASA uh, and, and NASA team, uh, including the contractor and academia base has been tremendous. Uh, so a lot of things really excite me about this. Can you bring us up to date on the latest activities with launch preparation? Uh, of course. So we, we uh, shipped the observatory from Southern California on September 26, via boat down the Pacific Ocean through the Panama Canal uh, down to South America and uh, French Guiana. Uh, we arrived in, in Karoo uh, in early October. Uh, we, we're in the process of facility now at, at the European Spaceport in, in Karoo. We've completed all of our functional testing as part of the launch processing. Uh, so in, in the Next couple of days, we will start fueling uh, the spacecraft. Uh, so a lot of progress. And um, several days after we start fueling, we'll complete that. Uh, we will move over to another facility where the rocket is located. We will hoist it up to the top of the rocket and made it to the rocket. Install the fairing uh, that closes it up, protects it uh, as we go uphill to space. And a couple of days after we close that fairing, we will move out to the launch pad, uh, most likely December 16th, and we will launch early morning, December 18th. Uh, so uh, a lot of work behind us now, not working any major technical issues. Uh, so we're looking forward to launching uh, in about a month. And then the 29 days following liftoff have been described as an exciting but harrowing time. What's happening during that time? So the, the launch phase, uh, so we will launch on an Ariane 5 rocket. That's a contribution by the European Space Agency, a partner. 28, 29 minutes after that, we will separate from the rocket. We will 
get communication from the observatory. And shortly after that, we will deploy the solar rays so we can have power. Uh, we have to do a, a couple of uh, mid-course correction burns in there to make sure we're still on the right trajectory. Uh, heading out to uh, Lagrange Point 2, a uh, million miles from, from the Earth. And then a lot of deployments uh, start to occur. Uh, we have many other appendages that need to deploy, but the big ones are the, the five-layer tennis court-sized sun shield that keeps one side of the observatory extremely cold, the other side uh, nice and, and toasty. Um, so that, that sun shield is a new development, never been flown before, never been developed before. Uh, so we, we're looking forward to that. And it's, it's definitely going to be nail-biting. And the deployment of the, uh, the amazingly beautiful, I might say, telescope, uh, and that's an 18-segmented mirror telescope. Uh, if you think back to Hubble, Hubble is 2.4 meters in size, which is quite large. And Webb is, is six and a half meters in size, uh, tremendously larger. Uh, so those are the two big ones. Uh, again, there are many other uh, deployments. So over that uh, two to three weeks after launch, uh, we, we're expecting to have all of those things deployed. Uh, so that's what happens in the 29 days. And then after that, we have about another month of activity to complete the commissioning so we can go into operations. And then what can the world look forward to once the telescope is in operation? Oh, my goodness. Uh, so um, at the end of six months, we, we're looking for what we call first light or first images. Uh, so that's what the world is looking for first. Uh, the amazing images that we haven't seen before from Webb. Now, I, I will add that will be the first of many images uh, during the course of, of Webb's lifetime. So uh, some of the things that, that Webb will do for us uh, certainly will help us look back into the universe, looking at the uh, formation of galaxies. Uh, so we're looking back 13 and a half or so a billion years. Uh, three or four hundred billion uh, million years after the Big Bang, if you could imagine that, just looking back that far and seeing the formation of galaxies. It, it helps us understand uh, the origin of the universe and our place in it. Uh, so that's a big deal. Of course, uh, uh, when Webb was developed, we had no idea about uh, exoplanets. We knew what they were, but we really weren't finding them and exploring them. Now there are thousands, uh, thanks to some of the other missions, uh, Spitzer and TESS and others uh, that have come before and TESS is still in operations. So Webb would better characterize these exoplanets to see how habitable they are. So we're gonna learn a lot from, from those types of planets. And another area we don't talk a lot about, uh, Webb will also help us better understand uh, within our own solar system. So we will, be able to better characterize the environments of, of other planets and other planetary bodies like Mars. Uh, today, we can look at those environments and see certain things from rovers and orbiters, but Webb will help us see the entire environment of some of these planets. And there are a lot of other things in there um, that I'm sure I'm not even aware of. When you talk about seeing more things in the environment, does that actually contribute to, to Artemis? So most of our science missions, uh, well, I would say many of our science missions have linkage to human spaceflight. Uh, so as we 
go explore planets like Mars. Uh, we we have uh, curiosity and insight and Mars 2020 perseverance on the surface um, and, and the twin rovers. Um, we learn a lot about these planetary bodies. Um, we, we fill what we call these knowledge gaps to help us understand what a human mission will will take. And also a lot of the science and exploration we can gather from humans that we, we just can't get from robotic missions. So they help each other along the way. And, and Webb certainly will help in some of those areas as well. Uh, so science uh, feeds human spaceflight, and certainly human spaceflight contributes largely to science. And certainly the Artemis program uh, will be doing a lot of science, uh, particularly on the moon. Um, and that science is led out of the Science Mission Directorate. Greg, let's talk about Webb technology. What makes this such a sophisticated telescope? It's very sophisticated in, in a lot of ways. Uh, one is, uh, you mentioned the technologies. We, we're flying at least 10 new technologies that have never been flown before. And that's really unprecedented. Uh, flying two new ones is tough, even one sometimes. But 10 makes it really challenging. In order to get the types of science we're, we're after, we have to be bold. And so some of these technologies are, are bold. Uh, one, I mentioned earlier, uh, the SunShield technology. Uh, one, they, the membranes themselves, each layer of the SunShield membrane uh, is a new technology that's never been flown before. And then we have to take those membranes and put them into a, a tennis court size shield and do five of those and fold them up, and then they have to deploy in space. Uh, that's a huge technological feat and maybe even larger engineering feat. Uh, so that's one thing that makes it extremely challenging. Of course, uh, some of the work we've done in the optics area uh, feed forward to, to eye surgery. Uh, doctors are really already using some of that, that technology to speed up the process of, of correcting eyes. Uh, so that that technology is new. Uh, the way we've we've built the mirrors and and uh, use uh, lightweight materials like beryllium, uh, the segmented mirror technology is is certainly new. Uh, so we have eighteen segmented mirrors uh, that make up the six and a half meter telescope. Each one operates separately, but they all have to operate as one, and we have to fold that that mirror up origami style to fit inside the launch vehicle fairing, and then we have to deploy that in space. So those are two or three areas uh, of technologies. I know I didn't get down into the very details of the technology, uh, but that's those are some of the areas that make it extremely challenging. So interesting. It's going to be so exciting to watch when this is actually happening. What are some of the key questions about the universe that Webb may help answer? Uh, so I mentioned some of those. Um, so Hubble takes us back uh, quite a ways uh, towards the Big Bang, but certainly not all the way. And and the scientists often talk about uh, comparing to a human. Uh, we see babies, and then we see teenagers and adults, and we don't see the period in between. So Webb will help us understand that area and time in the universe of, again, 13 and a half billion years back. Three, four, five hundred million years after Big Bang, 
we know very, very little, really nothing, of that time period of seeing uh, galaxies form and new stars form, et cetera. So that's an area that's that's still um, unknown to scientists. Uh, so we will have a lot of knowns. And, and I mentioned exoplanets. Uh, we, we learned a lot more about exoplanets. We're discovering them now in the thousands. Uh, but we still don't understand them really well, the habitability. And Webb won't, won't do everything there, but it'll certainly uh, give us more information than we've ever had before in those areas. When you reflect on the years of preparation for this mission, what comes to mind? So uh, I'm, I'm a baby when it comes to Webb. I've, I've been on just, just under four years, and, and many of the team members have uh, been on uh, roughly 20 years. Um, so, so I'm still a, a youngster. So I, I mentioned earlier the a very strong, dedicated team, really smart people, uh, not just in NASA, uh, but certainly our, our U.S. industrial base. Uh, Webb was developed across 29 different states in the U.S., uh, 14 countries, uh, including Europe and, and Canada. So the team has been tremendous and working across uh, the international lines. Um, it's been, for the most part, pretty seamless. Uh, so a real good, strong partnership. Uh, so those are the things that really excite me about my time on web. It's really um, leading this team. Uh, there's a lot of professional and personal respect uh, from top to bottom. Uh, so I know it's going to be a, a joyous occasion uh, when we launch, uh, but a, even a more joyous occasion after the deployments and after we get the first images. Are there knowledge nuggets that you've gleaned from the web experience that might be helpful to other NASA program directors and project managers? So I have a, a good long list, uh, but I'll mention, and some are somewhat technical, some are programmatic, some are uh, leadership. Uh, so from a, a leadership standpoint, um, and, and again, this applies across the board, I think uh, transparency and early and often communications with leadership and stakeholders is just critical. I can't stress it enough. It sounds uh, kind of routine when I say that, even when I hear it. Um, but you'd be surprised how much, uh, how much more we can be transparent. It, it helps take away uh, mystery, uh, particularly with our stakeholders. Uh, Sometimes we're going to have bad days. These missions are very difficult to develop. And it's better for people to know ahead of time, even if that bad thing doesn't happen, if they know that it could happen in six months, uh, that's just so important. And also help them understand the potential impact. Uh, that's internal with our leadership and, and certainly uh, external with our stakeholders. And, and I would say with our partners and our industrial base, uh, that transparency is important. The, the other part of that, it, it, it shows confidence. Uh, it shows the that we don't have to be insular to be successful. And, and there are a half dozen other things that it actually reflects. So I, I think leadership transparency is just critical. Uh, so that, that one area comes to mind right away. You've mentioned the international partnership. What are some of the highlights of working with international partners on Web? So I, I mentioned uh, ESA and, and CSA. Um, uh, and, and, and NASA, we have geez, over 700 
international agreements. Uh, I think science has more than half of those, probably two-thirds of those. Uh, so this is somewhat routine for us, in particular with these two partners. Um, and both have major, major contributions, uh, scientific instruments. And I mentioned ESA with the Ariane 5 rocket. Um, so uh, huge, huge contributions. Uh, we have a really good science team across across the world. Uh, we've been uh, pretty tight knit on interfaces. Of course, interfaces can be tough uh, with hardware. Uh, we have clean breaks, you know, with instruments and spacecraft and spacecraft and rocket. That makes it a little bit easier. Uh, but uh, long before me, uh, some really smart people and good leaders spent a lot of time building the partnership to make it uh, pretty solid. So when issues come about, uh, and certainly since I've been on, uh, all partners have been very open to discussion and, and mostly getting to resolution as quickly as possible and not worrying about where it started and who's at fault. Um, so the partnership was built uh, very strong uh, many years ago, and, and I've actually benefited from it. Standing here on the edge of making history, what are your thoughts and expectations as the program director of this amazing mission? So certainly it's history-making for NASA, and, and I'll say for the world. Again, Webb is going to produce science that we, we can only think about and rewrite the books. Uh, so that's a really big deal. Uh, I mentioned the, the the team really excites me. Uh, I, I think if a team of this scale, when you can get it working just right, it shows that you can get a, any team working just right. Now, a lot of work went into that. Uh, so that's a really big deal. Uh, of course, I look forward to the amazing science uh, that we will benefit from for many years. Uh, I look look forward to my, <laughs> my three grandsons enjoying this launch. Um, and certainly they will benefit from the science uh, many years to come. And hopefully they will be part of the next explorers, uh, whether it's uh, with robotic missions or with human spaceflight missions. Uh, so all of those things excite me, the team, what we're going to learn near term and the longer term impact on society. Greg, it's been wonderful getting to talk with you and appreciate you talking about Web with us today. Are we done already? I, I, I could talk uh, a few more hours. <laughs> uh, this was a real pleasure for me. Uh, I really appreciate, I appreciate you uh, asking me to do this and uh, let me know if, uh, how I can help out going forward. Well, thank you so much. Are there any closing thoughts, anything that we didn't cover that you might want to talk about now? One of the things I uh, often talk about uh, in, in this business, and, and you hear from others as well, so I didn't create this, uh, as you look at the, the faces uh, that develop and execute these missions, we certainly have to find ways to, to make those faces uh, more diverse, and not just the faces, um, the thought, the sounds, uh, etc. And I think web is a good start to that, uh, but there's a lot of work to be done. Greg's bio and links to related resources are available on our website at apple.nasa.gov slash podcast, along with the show transcript. Do you have a suggestion for a future guest or topic on the podcast? Please share your ideas with us on Twitter at NASA Apple, that's A-P-P-E-L, or contact us via the NASA Apple Knowledge Services website. As always, thanks for listening to Small Steps, Giant Leaps.